Hi friends, this is JFET. Whether you're around the corner or across the world, welcome to The Daily Walk. I want you to take a moment today to pause in Jesus and see what new thing could take place in your life. At the end of this podcast, you can download our app, Boulder Church, or visit us online at boulder.church to connect. And remember, we would love to hear from you as we prepare for our messages every Saturday morning on The Daily Walk. Good morning. It's Tuesday, October 9. Welcome to Daily Walk. I'm Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Japheth de Oliveira. And let's pray for the text today. All right. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you again for the opportunity to spend some time in, in Romans chapter 11. I want to thank you for uh, the message today as we read it in paraphrase and uh, f- feel this uh, fresh uh, perspective. And I ask God for uh, new insights, new application, and uh, new new ways to be able to put it into our lives in a really practical way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just was going to point out that today is both Japheth's and my grandmother's birthdays. Oh, yeah. Only That's mine right. died earlier this year. Back uh, in February, she would have been ninety-eight today, and yours must be what ninety-one. Yes, I, I feel think like her yeah, 90th yes, was because ninety-eight was last year. That's right. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting coincidence. Okay, it's Tuesday, so I'm reading from the message. You know, my favorite, <laughs> and it, I am reading Romans chapter eleven, the entire thing. First subtitle is the loyal minority. Mm-hmm. Does this mean then that God is so fed up with Israel that He'll have nothing more to do with them? Hardly. Remember that I, the one writing these things, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham out of the tribe of Benjamin. You can't get much more Semitic than that. (laughs) So we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with Israel, has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. Do you remember that time Elijah was agonizing over the same Israel and cried out in prayer? God, they murdered your prophets, they trashed your altars, I'm the only one left and now they're after me. And do you remember God's answer? I still have 7,000 who haven't quit, 7,000 who are loyal to the finish. It's the same today. There's a fiercely loyal minority still, not many perhaps, but probably more than you think. They're holding on not because of what they think they're going to get out of it, but because they're convinced of God's grace and purpose in choosing them. If they were only thinking of their own immediate self-interest, they would have left long ago. And then what happened? Well, when Israel tried to be right with God on her own, pursuing her own self-interest, she didn't succeed. The chosen ones of God were those who let God pursue his interest in them, and as a result received his stamp of legitimacy. The self-interest Israel became thick-skinned toward God. Moses and Isaiah both commented on this. Fed up with their quarrelsome, self-centered ways, God blurred their eyes and dulled their ears. Shut them in on themselves in a hall of mirrors, and they're there to this day. David was upset about the same thing. I hope they get sick eating self-serving meals, break a leg walking their self-serving ways. I hope they go blind staring in their mirrors, get ulcers from playing at God. Subtitle, Pruning and Grafting Branches. The next question is, are they down for the count? Are they out of this for good? And the answer is a clear-cut no. Ironically, when they walked out, they left the door open and the outsiders walked in. But the next thing you know, the Jews were starting to wonder if perhaps they had walked out on a good thing. Now, if their leaving triggered this worldwide coming of non-Jewish outsiders to God's kingdom, just imagine the effect of their coming back. What a homecoming. But I don't want to go on about them. It's you, the outsiders, that I'm concerned with now. Because my personal assignment is focused on the so-called outsiders, I make as much of this as I can when I'm among my Israelite kin, 
the so-called insiders, hoping they'll realize what they're missing and want to get in on what God is doing. If their falling out initiated this worldwide coming together, their recovery is going to set off something even better, mass homecoming. If the first thing the Jews did, even though it was wrong for them, turned out for your good, just think what's going to happen when they get it right. Behind and underneath all this, there is a holy, God-planted, God-tended root. If the primary root of the tree is holy, there's bound to be some holy fruit. Some of the tree's branches were pruned, and you wild olive shoots were grafted in. Yet the fact that you are now fed by that rich and holy root gives you no cause to crow over the pruned branches. Remember, you aren't feeding the root, the root is feeding you. It's certainly possible to say, other branches were pruned so that I could be grafted in. Well and good. But they were pruned because they were dead wood, no longer connected by belief and commitment to the root. The only reason you're on the tree is because your graft took when you believed, and because you're connected to that belief-nurturing root. So don't get cocky and strut your branch. Be humble. Be humbly mindful of the root that keeps you live and green. If God didn't think twice about taking pruning shears to the natural branches, why would he hesitate over you? He wouldn't give it a second thought. Make sure you stay alert to these qualities of gentle kindness and ruthless severity that exist side by side in God. Ruthless with the dead wood, gentle with the grafted shoot. But don't presume on this gentleness. The moment you become dead wood, you're out of there. And don't get to feeling superior to, these, to those pruned branches down on the ground. If they don't persist in remaining dead wood, they could very well get grafted back in. God can do that. He can perform miracle grafts. Why, if he could graft you, branches cut from a tree out in the wild, into an orchard tree, he certainly isn't going to have any trouble grafting branches back into the tree they grew from in the first place. Just be glad you're in the tree and hope for the best for others, for the others. Subtitle A Complete Israel. I want to lay all this out on the table as clearly as I can, friends. This is complicated. It would be easy to misinterpret what's going on and arrogantly assume that you're royalty and they're just rabble out on their ears for good. But that's not it at all. This hardness on the part of insider Israel toward God is temporary. Its effect is to open things up to all the outsiders so that we end up with a full house. Before it's all over, there will be a complete Israel. As it is written, a champion will stride down from the mountain of Zion. He'll clean house in Jacob. And this is my commitment to my people, removal of their sins. From your point of view, as you hear and embrace the good news of the message, it looks like the Jews are God's enemies. But looked at from the long-range perspective of God's overall purpose, they remain God's oldest friends. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. There was a time not so long ago when you were on the outs with God, but then the Jews slammed the door on him and things opened up for you. Now they are on the outs. But with the door held wide open for you, they have a way back in. In one way or another, God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be outside so that he can personally open the door and welcome us back in. Have you ever come on anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom? It's way over our heads. We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. 
again, I enjoyed that a lot uh, mm-hmm. compared to uh, the other translations. I I, I love uh, the way the ESV has you know, translated it to a mystery, that it's a mystery to kind of understand that final section side here. But uh, for Eugene, what he does in the paraphrase here says it's just way over our heads and we'll never figure it out in that last section of verses 33 onwards there. And I, I kind of like that uh, phrase as well inside there. So it's good. It's good. All right, uh, our recalibrate question for today is this. Um, the claim is that God would destroy himself if he ever failed in a promise. Do you accept the claim? Can we even imagine the implications of God's failure? I like that. Right. A conundrum. It's one of these, it reminds me of those questions, you know, can God create a rock that's too heavy for Doomed him to, to lift? lift? Yeah, there's something kind of circular about it. I mean, I'm not sure that there's an answer. Yeah. Um, it feels to me that, yes, if he failed in a promise, failed meaning unable to do the thing. Mm. Okay, because there's that kind of failure. You could fail because you promise something that you cannot do, or you could fail to deliver a promise because you promise it and then you change your mind and decide that you're not going to, to do it anymore. And I think it's quite possible that God could do the second of those things. Yeah, I mean, what is the message behind what is the message behind the claim is that he's saying it's it's the utter promise of the claim, right? It's that he's saying, look, I'm I'm going to do this to the ends of the earth, right? Well, I think we get mixed messages in this because on the one hand, there's this idea that God is absolutely faithful and that mm-hmm. you know He has to come through on His promises, but then we're also constantly, especially through Paul getting this other <laughs> message that is, hey, you know what? It, you don't matter. God can do whatever he wants. And what uh, is it to you to, to say how things should be? I think, yeah. So I feel like there, there's kind of a, I mean, it's even, I just read those verses. Job Are you that, smart enough yeah. to tell? Yeah. And that, yeah. that does come from Job. Yeah. Quite a bit, and then God rants at Job extensively yeah. about, you yeah. know, are you this, are you that, are you an eagle? I don't know, on and on and on, <laughs> right? So it feels like if a person ever does start whining, like, oh, you didn't come through on your promise, then God does tend to say, like, hey, I can do whatever I, I think, want. I think this because <laughs> I'm this, God. I mean, we talked about this the other day when we were talking about the the concept of perspective, right? And I think that's really important as well. That that we need to have perspective, and we and you, when you mentioned about the idea that we all come with our premises, we we have to admit that we do have uh, a view. You have your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You have the things that you accept as true. Yes. And so I think that those actually affect our conclusions. And God saying, look, maybe there's another way to look at this kind of stuff all the time. That you you kind of like you. I want you to come and argue, and I want you to come and look at this kind of stuff, but. But let me put some stuff in check sometimes because you you'll you'll rattle rattle off into one direction and you'll spiral out of control and you'll have to kind of like grab and God grabs us and says, "Hey, uh, let me pull mm. you back. Let me reel you in. Otherwise, you're just going to spiral into a space of just despair, as Elijah did in the story that Paul's mentioned in Romans chapter eleven. Elijah's Elijah's just on this high point, and then all of a sudden he's like Jezebel's on his case, and he's like, ah. Oh, it's over. Well, I think this is the issue Depression. with what it is to be human is that, you know, we all feel pretty good when things are going well and we spiral when things aren't going yes. well. And it has almost nothing to do with our level of faith or God's faithfulness to us or anything else. It has absolutely to do with our subjective experience of how our lives are going yeah. and whether we feel that things are going well or not. 
I've been. Uh, I have a friend of mine, Alia, um, Alia, who recently shared a, an album with me, um, a music album, and uh, it's the artist is uh, called Lauren Daigle, um, and inside, uh, I'm going to just find this song. Inside there, there's a song called. Um, I think it's called Look Up. I'm looking at it right now. It's called Look Up Child. Oh, yeah, I love that song. And uh, and I think that's the song that basically where the lyrics go to some effect where they basically say, you know, uh, you accuse God, you, you struggle with God saying, look, just look up child to me. Everything's going wrong, but just keep on looking up. And I, if you've never heard the song, well worth listening to that song. It's a fantastic song. Mm. Uh, really good. Um, so Lauren Daigle, Look Up Child. That kind of perspective. Our time's up for today. Uh, I'm going to repeat the question again. Um, the claim is that God would destroy himself if he ever failed in a promise. Do you accept that claim? Can we even imagine the implication of God's failure? Um, look after each other, live love, and we'll connect tomorrow. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Daily Walk podcast today. Hey, if you remember, if you have any questions, reach out to us online at boulder.church. And if you can help support us, please feel free to give online at boulder.church forward slash give. Until next time, look after each other and live love.